Ruth Bader Ginsburg once said, I surely would not be in this room today without the determined efforts of men and women who kept dreams alive, dreams of equal citizenship. Hi, I'm Martha Willard, and you're listening to The Life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Each episode, I will go through a different part of the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the former Supreme Court Justice. In this podcast, I will tell you nowhere near everything you need to know about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and this is just a beginner's lesson. Today, we are going to look into what Ruth Bader Ginsburg did on the court in the last about 30 years of her life. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had many great accomplishments on and off the bar. She was one of the quieter members of the Supreme Court, but she was fierce. She didn't retire through pancreatic cancer and fought to her last breath to serve the American people. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1993, by Bill Clinton to fill the spot vacated by Byron White. President Clinton wanted a replacement who was intellectual and had political skills to deal with the more conservative members of the court. She was confirmed with a 96-3 to vote, making her the first Jewish female and the second Jewish and the second female to serve on the Supreme Court. She was part of the court's moderate liberal, liberal walk and a strong voice for gender equality. So, how liberal was she really on the court? Um, Professor Epstein said something about, and she is a university professor at Washington University in St. Louis, and this is what she said. Justice Ginsburg cast more liberal votes than any other justice in the court's most weightiest cases. Lee Epstein also said, Ginsburg's liberalism extended to all areas of law, civil rights, of course, but also criminal procedure, civil liberties, and even economic disputes. In 1996, Justice Ginsburg wrote the Supreme Court's important decision titled United States versus Virginia. That case was about letting women into the Virginia Military Institute and women are now allowed in. Area of race. A, a, an institution would not be able to meet, remain uniracial by saying, if you let black people into VMI, white students would not feel comfortable in applying the adversative method to them. Or the other way around, if you let white students into an all-black institution that had an adversive method, black people will not feel comfortable in applying the adversative method to them. Just this exactly can, this, to use it's, this can. It's me. a predictive um, thing, isn't it? It's never been tried. So these are opinions of what... So in that audio clip, you probably noticed that Ruth Bader Ginsburg struggled just a tiny bit to get her voice in, and that, but then she tried again, and Mr. Bender let her speak for a moment, and how she talked about, she responded to Mr. Bender's um, argument that if you let a black person into an all-white school, then the black person will feel uncomfortable. And if you let a white person to an all-black school, then the black person will feel uncomfortable, or the black people. 
And Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, this has never been tried. So you don't know that. It has never been proven, and it's just an opinion argument, and I thought that it was a very nice part of it, even though that's not even what the VMI case was about. It was about letting women into the Virginia Military Institute. Ruth Bader Ginsburg also gathered attention for writing Bush v. Gore and that <clears throat> Supreme Court's case um, basically decided the 2000 election. And now, we'll hear more after the break. Here is a short message from our sponsors, Hot Chocolate. Hot Chocolate will always keep you warm, and it tastes good. If you ever feel frozen, drink some. Open your cupboard and get out some cocoa powder and sugar to get started today. And now, back to the show. to what her life was like nearer to death. She had pancreatic cancer and went through surgery for colon cancer, but stayed on the Supreme Court. In 2010, her husband, Martin or Marty, died, ending 56 years of marriage. In 2016, she said Trump was a faker, and how has he not managed to turn over his tax returns? She couldn't imagine what the country would be like with Trump as president. Now to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's amazing accomplishments. There are a lot of them, and I can say nowhere near to all, but here are some. She won the American Bar Association's Thurgood Marshall Award for Equality and Civil Rights. She worked with a trainer in the Supreme Court's exercise room for several years with more than Justice Breyer and Kagan. Up until 2018, she never missed an oral argument, even through surgery for colon cancer and chemotherapy for pancreatic cancer. She graduated top of her class at Harvard while helping her husband stay caught up and with a child. She was Columbia University's first tenured professor. She had six movies made about her while she was still living. So those are, as I said, only a few of her amazing accomplishments. But I'm going to have a quote now, not from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but Justice O'Connor to Justice Ginsburg. Suppose we had come of age at a time when women were welcome at the bar. You know what? Today we would be retired partners at some law firm. But because that was not open to us, we had to find another way. And we both end up on the United States Supreme court so as i was watching the movie on the basis of sex earlier this week um at the very end of the movie she wins the case um in front of three judges even though no one thought she'd be convincing enough that she wasn't smiley enough and that her husband should do it because he was more convincing um and then she wins it and everyone's surprised, and the person who said she wasn't going to win went to go brag about how she had won, and 
I thought that that was a good part and a good thing to add in to the end of the episode. So I'm going to end today talking about who Thurgood Marshall was because someone emailed and asked me. Um, And he was the first black person on the Supreme Court. He was a civil rights activist. And he won almost 30 Supreme Court victories. uh, And he was born in Baltimore on July 2nd, 1908. And he died in 1993. And uh, when he was a kid, he faced a lot of racial discrimination. And... And the city he lived in had a death rate for African Americans that was twice that of Caucasians. And he also had schools that was segregated. So he had a hard, really hard younger life. And then he went on to become the first black person on the Supreme Court. So you might never have heard of Oye. And um, it is a free law project from Cornell's Legal Information Institute. Chicago Kent College of Law and Justia. It is a archive with many medias and it is uh, try trying to make the Supreme Court of the United States accessible to everyone. Um, it's the most complete archive of all the court's audio since um, a recording system was installed in October 1955. And OYA also offers um, transcripts of the oral argu- oral arguments and searchable audio. And um, there are also full-text Supreme Court opinions and illustrated decision information. And OYA also provides detailed information on every justice throughout the court's history and offers a panoramic tour of the Supreme Court building, including the chambers of several justices. Thanks for listening to The Life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If you want to learn more, you can check out the other episodes on Spotify and find the episode descriptions. I got my information from Ruth Bader Ginsburg's The Encyclopedia Britannica article, written by Brian Smithowski and Aaron Hout. I also used the Good Housekeeping article, Here's How Ruth Bader Ginsburg Changed American Life for the Better, written by Katie Baruch. I also used History.com, the article on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, written by the History.com editors, as well as those... I used the NPR interview with the interview is as Nina Totenberg. It was called Do You Have Any Regrets? I also used the New York Times Judicial Legacy section on Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her obituary from New York Times. And I used the OYA Ruth Bader Ginsburg article and the Stanford Lawyer interview with the interviewer as Elizabeth McGill.